listening to The Chartographers. season of the chartographers it is a music loving podcast for music loving people we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it from worst to first it's what we do it's what we're known for but the weird thing is that we've started out season three kind of doing challenges for ourselves because we've done like you know after the first two seasons we've tackled everything from the beatles to led zeppelin to the janet and michael jackson's and the lady guy it doesn't matter are you saying those weren't challenging oh no 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 i'm saying (laughs) we tackled a lot of these things but now we're getting into thick weird interesting different kind of groups i mean we opened with steely dan we followed it up with a little bit of an idiosyncratic choice with whitney houston and we've done rock groups before the beatles and the zeppelin and also the fallout boy and the no, no doubt, and the Smashing Pumpkins and what have you. This, though, we haven't done anything like this. We haven't done anything this raw, this in the red, this fuzzed out. We haven't done garage rock in this way, and if we're gonna do a fucking garage rock band, it might as well be the one band that everyone remembers from the garage rock era. Sorry, the Vines. Uh, so, guys, let's right, let's get into it. We're gonna talk about the one, the only, the group that borrows so shamelessly from Rock's past they looked at the Beatles and said, hey, we too can have a shitty drummer. The one White stripes! <laughs> Woo! Goober and the peas if you're nasty. Uh, so the White Stripes formed in Detroit. Jack White, he's not really like the guy. He wasn't really the empresario of the garage rock scene there, but he was an active participant and vocal supporter. He loved the stuff that was going on, especially mid-90s Detroit, economically depressed, lots of anger came out of there. So there was a rather large uh, scene there. He actually did this one record he produced called uh, Sympathetic Sounds of Detroit, where he had the same setup, same drum kit, same recording equipment, invited all of his favorite bands in and said, hey, do your best song and put that out. It's kind of like a locational thing on the map. Like, he really cared about the scene. So, weirdly enough, around the late 90s when uh, Kid Rock and fucking Eminem were, like, actually breaking through, people were like, what's coming out of Detroit? And weirdly enough, people were looking and when they looked at the rock scene, the White Stripes were there right at the start of the UK fueled, weirdly enough, Garage Rock Revival with the Strokes and the Hives, an underrated band, and all these other great things that came out of it. Of course, Jack White and Meg White, his big sister slash wife slash ex-wife slash who the fuck knows uh they they all are together and guys we're gonna talk about their discography there's a lot to go through and it's gonna be great but in order to do that we have to rank it and i have to tell you who's doing the ranking that's what we do and first off there's me i'm evan Sadi. you might know me as the interviews editor over at pop matters you might have seen my writings on msn or in liner notes for re-releases all sorts of other things that have gone on it's cool and most importantly though i hope that you know me on snapchat as the host of this podcast because i love this podcast so dearly i hold it in the deep throes of my heart and if you know anything about the podcast then you know the person sitting next to me the brendan benson to my jack white that's right guys it is taryn o'reilly hi who was worried i was gonna do a meg white joke at some point but i wasn't, no one's meg white I wasn't worried yeah. i just kind of assumed <laughs> i mean last episode i was the rachel Marin to your You're frank farmer yeah cool so Hashtag bodyguard reference. <laughs> cool, guys. Great. So, We're fun. I'll take, I'll take that. That's now, the weird thing, though, going into this week, and I had no idea, is that you didn't have a lot of familiarity with the White Stripes. Not a ton. Yeah. I knew, like, you know. The I main had... singles, the big hits. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a couple, like, you know, album tracks that I got on mix CDs and shit. But mm-hmm. I had never done a deep dive. So, so yeah. It was a fascinating week oh my goodness right and the thing is that like well we could talk about a lot we can't do it alone we never really can so we decided to invite back we're kind of basically forming the rock contours here all right we have you know that's what we're doing so we have two amazing guests a returning guest and a brand new guest who i'm so stoked is now going to be part of our stable first off uh this guy over here he is the music editor over at noise trade you may have seen his writings in rolling stone and other places and most importantly his crowning achievement i think in life was when he was on the season two premiere of the chartographers to talk about michael jackson that's right, guys. Our dear and wonderful friend Will Hodge is in studio right now. Hello, operator. <laughs> Damn. 
I don't have a follow-up for that. How are you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic. I'm so glad to be back, and I'm hoping that I can uh, silence the crowd as much as I did when I tried to put Thriller at number four during the Michael Jackson episode. Yes. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it was all through your passive manipulation. It was great. <laughs> hey, there we go. Yeah. See, there we, I'm, I'm pl- now I have the track list up so I can actually make jokes now. They're not going to be good, I assure you. They're as ugly as I seem. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Um, <laughs> on top of that, though, on top of that, though, uh, this guy, he is in Chicago, you may have seen him, he's an actor, he's a singer, he is a songwriter. We just totally randomly met him at a fucking party once, and it's just like, hey, you mentioned RIAA certifications, and that's a very specific thing. We should probably talk music, and you heard the podcast, and now he's here. Guys, it can happen to anyone. It's like a contest. It's great. Guys, please welcome Justin Smith over here to the podcast. Hey, little apple blossoms. I could tell that we're going to be friends. Yes. So, guys, the jokes. The jokes. I need to step my game up. I was just like, I'm good. And they our guests are showing me up. in our little room, and we got something to do. Yeah. I, oh gosh, I can't right. wait to see how this ends. So, uh, guys, <laughs> now the great thing about the White Stripes is that, and the, th- and the thing is, and there was this clarification question that came up earlier in the week, and it's good. We are talking about the White Stripes. So that very specifically is not Jack White and his fucking solo albums. <laughs> We're not talking about the Raconteurs. We're not talking about the Upholsterers. We're not talking about whatever that other one is. The, the Dead Weather? Dead Weather, yes, thank you, yeah. good. You know, I, He's like in eight bands, okay? I don't fucking don't care. Don't forget Goober and the Peas. And Goober and the Peas. Yeah. And the go and two star uh, tabernacle. There it is, there it and is. I mean, I dude, I did the fucking research. Man. All right, I've been here all icky thumb. So, <laughs> most importantly, though, I know that was the worst of all. So they have a very concise discography. It's six albums. They have a couple EPs uh, that they have tossed in there. A couple of their soundtrack cuts. And so much as I love their fucking cover of Deegan and Sarah's mm-hmm. Walking with the Ghost, yes. we're talking about the albums, which are their kind of in the red raw debut of the self titled White Stripes from 1999. There's of course. The Distil. 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 Distil? I thought it was good. Second, <laughs> like there's no words there. Uh, it's like a Y. Yeah, their follow up. Distil yeah. from 2000. Uh, there is their uh, critical breakthrough that was White Blood Cells in 2001. There was their mainstream breakthrough that was Elephant in 2003. There is their Hey, you know what? Guitars kind of suck album, <laughs> Get Behind Me Satan from 2005. And of course, there was their surprisingly last album that was Icky Thump in 2007. So, six albums, six slots. We are going to rank them. We're going to debate them. And, you know, here's the thing. We got our ideas. We got our arguments. A good argument can change an opinion. Like, I, I think I know what number one is, but I could mm-hmm. absolutely be persuaded otherwise. I totally get it. But listen, to first off, anyone have anything to say about the rank? six albums? Pretty good. Nothing else you want to throw in there random to be an asshole? This is going to be tough. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's not necessarily a case I feel of what's worse it's just what's the least best and what's the best mm-hmm. you know exactly. those are always fun episodes yeah. yeah so it's yeah and i will say i was pretty strong about my lowest ranking and my highest ranking and the four in the middle uh depending on which day of the week it was there might have been some movement here or there. Sure. yeah so i think there's going to be some times where we're splitting some okay fine hairs here. And that's fine, but are we in the Houston episode we did eight albums across fucking two hours. That's not <laughs> happening. We're going to cut it off after the past. It's going to be great. So that being said, well, you've been on this episode at this podcast before. Indeed. Justin hasn't. Yeah. So Justin, you're the new guy here. So you get a very special honor. Six albums, six slots. Not saying anything, just toss the stuff out there, but what would you nominate as the worst White Stripes album? Or sixth best, if you want to be the yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, like I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, their first record, I never get sick of. But when compared with the rest of their their discography, I've got to say it's the roughest, as it should be for a band for a for garage their rock band. Yeah. Out of, it it made the big noise. It got the attention that I feel it needed to. But when it stacks up against the rest of them, I feel like it's still the weakest link, despite a lot of strong standouts. I really, I honestly can't tell you how glad I am that you that you <laughs> said Will Hodge's life is ruined. Uh, but let's, A very let's, solid foundation yeah. to an incredible career. An incredible right. foundation. Yeah. I think we did a shitty job kind of setting up the fact that for those who randomly listen to this episode don't know who the White Stripes are, Jack White, he's on vocals and guitars. Meg White, she's on drums. That's it. 
Uh, like, whenever they perform live, it's just those two on stage. And sometimes Jack and plays keys. a guitar with one hand and a keyboard with the other hand. And it's yes. Because he's Jack White. Because he's Jack White. He's that White. kind of yeah. asshole. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because while on stage they have a peppermint aesthetic, they always have red and white and black, and those are the only three colors that they ever wear. Part of the reason, I didn't even realize this, oh, is that why you're wearing what you're wearing today? Yep. Justin, Justin's in character, I want to point out, exactly. <laughs> Will Hodge is not... Yes. Yeah. Red and white and black. Oh, okay. Except for except for you, man. Yeah. Apparently, I, I suck. Get the memo. You're very racketoursy right yeah. now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. But, but the thing is, is that like, and the, I didn't even realize why they did it as an aesthetic because I remember reading this one fucking critical review talking about who would you rather see, multimillionaires like fucking puddle of mud that looked like factory workers, or the small little punk group that is you know basically kind of coming out of nowhere and giving you like kind of this basic fantasy land. Jack White loves rules. He loves a stat, and that's one of the things where I think his solo career kind of suffers a little bit because he always had self-imposed rules on the creation of the albums as well as the performance aesthetics. A lot of different things, and he pointed out that he, part of the reason why they did the red, white, black thing is because they were fully conscious of the fact that they are white kids in Detroit playing black music. They were aware of that, and they kind of said that this kind of, this is kind of a distraction away from that aspect. Like they're performance artists, like almost, and I get that. And so this debut album is very raw. And the thing is that like I it was Taryn had amazing insights all fucking week while we were listening during research week. And one of my favorites was I'm just like especially because I wasn't as familiar with the first two albums in particular. There's a lot of really Zeppelin-y moments on here. And the thing is that I'm just like it's just so you know like so heavy and like I get mistaken like sometimes the vocal screeches and sometimes and then Taryn's like you realize it's like it's not really a Zeppelin imitation. They're both pulling from the same sources of blues. Like yeah. They're both both like just a lot of these songs are just, it's straight up blues and it happens to sound like Led Zeppelin because they're yes. both using like really screechy guitar noises. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and I'm, and obviously Jack White loves Zeppelin. I don't, I'm not contesting that, yeah. but I don't think that you, you can't say that he's like copying Zeppelin's. I mean, you can sometimes when he goes acoustic, <laughs> but on especially these blues moments, yeah. that that's really what, just what it is. It's just straight up blues. And it's, yeah. it, you, you can't, credit Zeppelin with that alone. Right. I completely agree with that. And it always rubs me the wrong way when when actually people make the White Stripes Zeppelin connection because I've never I've never seen it in the sense of Jack White listening to some Zeppelin records and being like, dude, I've got to do this thing. I think it's they take the same source material and they do go in different directions. And so there are some uh some similar threads. Like mm-hmm. the only song that I would actually out of their entire discography that I would say has any sort of Zeppelinish uh, tendencies is an acoustic one, and it's I'm bound to pack it up. That one is is your like literally what I is was this a Led about. Zeppelin four yeah. like cover that I was unaware of? But I feel like that he takes the blues in a different direction because mm-hmm. I feel like that whereas Led Zeppelin is kind of echoing a lot and and they are uh, using the blues as a place that they're getting to with their music. I feel like the blues are a starting point with Jack White to take it to another place, to another level. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I, uh, it's interesting. I, I actually am one of the people, I really, really dig their debut and I'm trying to figure out yeah. how to talk about it without talking about yeah. <laughs> other stuff. Well, and I'm glad you guys mentioned that because that's a really interesting, uh, I really hadn't considered that before, um, just the blues perspective because, I mean, you look at Zeppelin's discography, I listened to your guys' episode yeah. on, on that and, yeah, I mean, from Roy Harper to, I mean, you name it, Zeppelin was influenced by them and Jack White too. I feel like I've, I've always made the Zeppelin White Stripes comparison just because with how how Jack uses his voice. Mm-hmm. I see so many parallels to uh, It's to kind of impossible Plant. not to make the comparison. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room in that. Um, I feel like they, they definitely took a lot of influence from Zeppelin's influence from the blues, as well as the source material, too. Um, but I also got a lot of Hendrix out of this, too. Yeah, yeah. In that yeah. muddy, sort of uh, <laughs> carefree, <laughs> almost sloppy, but in some way it sounds mm-hmm. yes. good. Yeah. It's, it's ugly. It's not a pretty record, but that's part of its mm-hmm. beauty. In and the weirdest way, and Jack White has mastered that art. Right, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. I would say master that art present day, yes. On this debut, I think it gets a little out of hand at some point. So that's that's where I kind of agree with you on there. On now, some tracks, it shines out more than others. But yeah, there's some I'm just like... Ooh. This is more like <laughs> White's... Uh, this is more like with the Flaming Lips when they had that compilation, you know, <laughs> Youngsters with an Enthusiastic for Recording or whatever. You're mm-hmm. like, this is like this. Is like this. Because, listen... 
Well, Hodge, I know you're going to have a very fine and articulate defense of this album in a moment, but fuck Astro. All right, listen, that is a terrible song, and like Broken Bricks Ooh, right after it. Justin like, is not okay with Sorry, yeah, just no, 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 no. Guys, that's not a good song. I'm sorry. I understand the need for a dumbheaded party song on there. It just feels like, because the biggest thing is that as they get on, they really find a better way of developing grooves. Because you can have a repetitious riff, and then you can find ways to like embellish and add on and build up, you know, like a ball and a biscuit kind of thing. But like early on, it's just sometimes it's just like, and then they repeat it, and then they repeat it. You know, and this is something that I have mentioned on a lot of episodes, especially homegrown artists, where, like, there are songs on here that I think that the riffs and the idea behind them is great, but it's really just a matter of production value. Like, I know it's punk, it's supposed to be grating, but, like, I can't make it through Broken Bricks. It Hmm. just, like, hurts me a little. Yeah. And, like, Mm -hmm. there's just a couple songs on here where I'm like, if they had recorded this exact same thing, even just two years later, I think I would like it more, because there's just that tiny little increase in production value. Maybe that guitar noise would be curbed a little bit and still get the same effect and not mm-hmm. literally yeah. hurt my That's ears. It's not part of the charm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell you, it's it, it's interesting because sometimes whenever you talk uh, with the benefit of hindsight, um, it kind yeah. of skews things an interesting way because you're like, let me tell you why this is great in reference to the five albums that came mm-hmm. after kind of thing. Um, but I think there, there's one thing, I've got a... Uh, I've got an old recording of a radio show they did in 99 before this album even came out. Mm. And the last song that they played on that radio show was Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, which oh. did not come out until White Blood Cells. Yeah, three, uh, two albums later. And so what I think is interesting is I agree with the rawness, the grittiness, the, uh, the struggle that's in the music and all that sort of stuff, but I don't think it comes from a place of them not having developed yet. I think he was really, really trying to make an intentional statement so that everything he did going forward would still come back to the fact of, like, he is a bluesy garage rock guy. No matter where he goes into, Mm -hmm. he loves, like, hip-hop beats, his solo stuff kind of goes all over the place, racking tours, like, super country-ish, all that sort of stuff, but everything always comes back. I think he wanted to make sure that he's like, I'm going to do a lot of things, but this is what's most important to me is this intentional bluesy garage rock. And I think that's fine. And I think that's a fair point. (laughs) We still are an outvoting system, mind you. (laughs) But I just want to hear before anything else, you know, like us outvoting you. Before that, what would you have nominated in number six? I actually, uh, I'm kind of... Are you second guessing yourself No, 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 not second guessing. I actually, I'm a little... I thought uh, you guys would, would probably agree with me on this, but... um. Even before listening through everything again this week to, pre- to prep, uh, Get Behind Me Satan has always been the place where I've been like, oh, this is where you lost the plot. And I think for a couple different reasons, it's like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. This is the part where when people are like, sometimes they're weird just to be weird. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Marimba, you don't, you don't need marimba. <laughs> you know, like Meg singing Passive Manipulation. You don't need that. Like, you at, actually, what, you what actually don't need do you, that. Okay, right. Do we ever need Meg on the <laughs> <laughs> I actually like it a cold night. Yeah, I really yes. had to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, but it's still the Passive weakest song on no. that album. Yeah. yeah. I like the yeah. weakest cold strongest. Cold yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Get Behind Me Satan has always been the album where I feel like uh, it's some of my favorite of their songs on my unquestionably least favorite album of theirs. Mm. Okay. And see, and the thing is for the context though, after White Blood Cells, but especially after Elephant like launched them into like stadium status because literally Seven Nation Army gets played at fucking sports arenas now. Right. Which were a little two piece from you know Detroit is like the fuck. <laughs> Have you listened to the actual production on it? The fact that that's being played at stadiums is amazing. Right, right. But like Get Behind Me Satan was very much a counter reaction to that album because I feel like Jack White, again, like he has rules that he has on there. With White Blood Cells, it was no guitar solos. With uh, Elephant, it was basically let's record this in 10 days. Uh, in Get Behind Me Satan, this is like let's do electric guitars. Is little as possible. And there's mm-hmm. still guitars on there. But you're not wrong. 
It's a fucking weird album. I feel like it was the weird thing he needed to do at the time. That doesn't necessarily mean we oh. as listeners enjoy it. Because here's the thing. I, you know, I was like, God, on White Blood Cells and then Elephant. I was there. I was in it. I was ready. <laughs> and then fucking Blue Orchid as a single comes out. Right. What the fuck is that, that shit? Bang, and... That's actually one of his riffs that I think that is one of the strongest songs on the album and I think it's one of the saving graces but really yeah oh, I actually I totally agree. it's weird yeah, I know you but don't here's, like it but here's what's interesting <laughs> <laughs> when you say it's the album he needed to make I actually feel like it's the stuff that was left over after a very big creative time for him outside of the white stripes because after elephant he does the five songs on Cold Mountain, which are like, I'm going to get my acoustic, yeah, rustic oak. blues. Yeah. I'm going to produce the Laura uh, Loretta Lynn album, which yeah. that's essentially a raconteur's album with Loretta Lynn on vocals. With, and all no problem guys. with that. So he gets all of his um, amazing toolbox that he brings to the White Stripes. He like used up a lot of them in these other areas. And then he gets to recording the next White Stripes record. And it's like, okay, how do I... How do I be weird for the sake of weird, almost? And, and that's where I feel like getting the stuff like marimba and piano and all like those slow acoustic blues songs where you're just like, ah, dude, I think I think that, I mean, not to get too far ahead, but the curveball that he was trying to do with Get Behind Me Satan didn't actually happen until Icky Thumb. He felt it was kind of indulgent. Right, yeah, it's almost a vanity oh, project. There is sure. no I denying mean, Jeff White is an indulgent person. Right, right. Yeah, period. But. And you want your artist to be, for the most part, because that's where you get some really good stuff. But I think that I think that this is one of the times where he would have really benefited from either as far a producer as in, or something. I knew you were going to say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and I, I'm glad you did, um, because I've been I've been prepping for this. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I, I know that get behind me, Satan is going to take a lot of flack. Mm-hmm. When I was listening to your guys zeppelin episode and you got to zeppelin 3 this is the zeppelin 3 of their cat of of the white stripes catalog it really is because where'd the guitar go where the but i mean you look at tracks like blue orchid i mean that one's that's really the only strong you know electric guitar track this is yeah, zeppelin 3 and i have to be careful to not treat it like zeppelin 3 because i love that record and it definitely should have been higher on that episode yes. but anyway, <laughs> um, full agree yes but um I don't know, I felt like I have a lot of respect for it, regardless mm. of how good it might have been, because Jack White's a man that's always known what he wants, and that is he's exactly the kind of person that would take a follow-up to Elephant and just say, hey, all that fame that I just got, fuck it, I'm gonna do what I damn well please. Um, and I feel like so many of the tracks on here, as weird as they are, that's kind of the saving grace of the record. It's weirdness, because Jack <laughs> is weird. It is distinct. I'm not going to deny yeah, yeah. that. It leaves an impression. There are songs like Passive Manipulation where I'm like, okay, why? And but, they still... They would, like, and they will do that, or they did do that live with Meg actually getting off the drums and playing timpanis as she's singing. And so that's the indulgent mm-hmm. stuff where you're like... Guys, I understand you have the money. I understand you don't have a lot of people telling you no. You're getting to make your own choices, but this is this is uh, when we when we've seen what you can do, and when we've seen how in control you are of what you can do. Sometimes those exercises are going to fall super flat, and I think this is where they really kind of. And it's the fearlessness know. that I respected so much because that, in yeah. that in that venture, they still created some of my favorite songs in our whole category: the Denial Twist, mm-hmm. White Moon. Believe it or not. Oh, you I like White Moon? I love that yeah, song. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 I'm actually. <laughs> I like it when. It's weird how like three people agree on one thing right. so far in this podcast. Right. Yeah, no, I like it when Jack when Jack gets on the piano. I want to oh, like White okay. Moon. It's too it self-referential. Just, it yes. just doesn't quite make it there. There's something about the melody that's a little off-putting to me. It's I, a build-up to nothing. Yes, like, that is exactly they are, what it They is. are great builders. I want there to be a release while, on Yeah, there. the song yeah. doesn't... I do love how he references Truth Doesn't Make a Noise, though. That's a nice yes, little, like, you exactly. know, introvert. The other thing about <laughs> this album for me um, is that I really like sections of it, and mm. then I realize that, like, for example, My Doorbell oh. is, like, a really great song. It Fucking is. amazing. It's an amazing yes. song, except that it's the same structure as like three other songs That's what in their I was discography, say. and yeah. it's just not quite as good pres- as, as them. It's, oh, you know, I think they're the. I think yeah. my doorbell is like the better version in the sense of almost when you get to denial twist, you're like, 
oh, my other doorbell. Like, it, it almost feels like, <laughs> like oh, that's the back of So, so like, if you have your, you know, entire White Stripes discography on shuffle, if the denial twist hits, you're like, oh, yeah, I dig it. I love this song. But if you listen to the album straight through, you're like, I feel like I've heard this yep. on this album already. So, <laughs> okay, so here's, here's my thing about it, though. I agree that there's a lot of things, and listen, Jack White's an asshole. We can we're happy our mini soda after we this. We'll him. talk a lot about that. <laughs> uh, but the thing is that, like, I absolutely understand where you're coming from because it was a bold move, especially at the mm. height of your fame, to go ahead and do a multi-genre spanning thing that's basically outside of your comfort zone. Some artists have a very clear vision of the direction they want to take it, whether fans are with it or not. Think of great artists like Taylor Swift, you know, like incredible. But like, more importantly, though, that's this is funny. one where he <laughs> this is he legitimately. He wanted to like create something different and weird and so arts out of his comfort zone. I respect that. And the fact that you respect this album, I get it. Respecting an album and enjoying an album <laughs> are different experiences. And that's the thing. As much as I want to pull a Zeppelin 3, this isn't Zeppelin 3. <laughs> and this is easily in the bottom tier of their discography. Okay. In one of the least best parts. Right. And we are also 25 minutes into the podcast, so I'm just going <sighs> to... We did it again! I know. So, Taryn, <laughs> I don't know about you, but the fact that they, these two wonderful guests have nominated these two albums very much aligns with my personal feelings oh, yeah. Yeah, as well. No, I don't disagree Can with we at, at least three votes to go ahead and get the White Stripes into number six, the mm -hmm. self-titled? I vote, I vote, I vote. Yeah. Oh, they're good, oh, yeah. great. And do we? How do we feel about getting "Get Behind Me, Satan" at number five? Because I would also vote. That I, I, I will. Yeah, yeah, I think we're in agreement. Okay, so all right, I will cool. just say, just for the record, for yes, those keeping do. at home, I actually have their self-titled debut at number. If we're starting it, because I would have had that at number four. Okay. Because I think there's, I think there's actually a lot to be said for it, and I think that there's one. That doesn't quite do as great. Please, we'll what is it? it? Yeah. No, oh, so is this, are we setting you up? Want to nominate one? No, no, yeah, I'll let you. He, has right. a, he has a strong. He has a very strong opinion. No, All right. I'm well, listen, curious. they're locked into place, so they're not moving. But right, right. Continue. So this one, was, this one was going to be my number five, uh, but essentially now we're talking about number four. So I think that uh, Day Still is. <laughs> this is going to be so great. Are we? Oh, we are going to have a group hug at the end of yes, this, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> We're going right, to have shots. I just after. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Right, really? More shots after. <laughs> I feel like that. Um, once again, when you look at these albums in a vacuum, you're like, "Love this song. Love this song. I can sing along with this riff. All this sort of stuff." But then when you kind of stack them on top of each other, and like you literally like have track list with stars by them of the ones you like, I think. Day still is a fantastic follow-up that is still a little bit of him trying to set groundwork and parameters of I've got I've got more in my bag of tricks that I don't want to put out there yet because I want to make sure that everything builds on this and comes back to this. So So you would nominate Day Still. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I kinda <laughs> want to hear from Justin right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah um, or not. Okay, so let me... Let me talk something out there. There's the, so much. I know. The fascinating thing about this movie is that I feel like White Stripes is very much, again, blues indebted pretty much straight through, with a few mm -hmm. exceptions for the most part here. Distill, you feel like he kind of moves a little bit towards pop to a degree, and a very specific brand of pop. Because when he goes acoustic, it's weird how he either goes Zeppelin three or he goes McCartney. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that, like, there's a lot of moments on here that are just, like actually sweet because this one and listen he opens with you're pretty good looking for a girl that's Beautiful. basically a tommy james and the chandelles right. you know, song like and it's, it's a, a real know, oddball yeah the whole album i know yeah. and that's it's a great template setter too because yeah. it's very from the offset it's like it's not going to be as aggressive as the last album it's mm -hmm. going to be a little bit more accessible mm -hmm. but we're still a garage rock band we still have energy mm -hmm. on it it's yeah. got it's got like stubble on it yeah but it's super poppy but like I'm, I'm not ready to go as far as i can just yet i, I really do feel like when you look at some of this stuff there are parts where he's trying to lay the groundwork to to get to certain points that he can be there immediately, but he's like working with his tools to say, these are these are the things that you're always going to yeah. know about me and feel about me. I feel like track for track, this is one of the strongest records in their entire discography. Okay. Um, okay. It, because he took such a dive. I, I'm a huge blues rock fan. Mm -hmm. um, I, I worship Zeppelin as gods, <laughs> but I feel like... Um, it was interesting that you said that he goes McCartney when he goes acoustic because the, whenever I hear Apple Blossom, yes, I'm just like, wow. Mm -hmm. you know. It, but he still had a way of making it 
his own. Uh, but songs like Hello Operator, Little Bird, um, Death Letter. Okay, well, the Death they, Letter Death song, letter the fact that that increases on tempo, like, so yeah. much, but the time he gets to the last of the boom da da doom da da like, when he gets to that last one there, I'm like, damn. Yeah. And, like, I'm mm-hmm. full disclosure on here. The times when Jack... And, like, the thing is, like, he's an artist. I get that. He likes the emotion of it all. But when Jack White lets himself go and has fun, and you can tell he's having fun recording mm-hmm. this, yeah. that's good. On Death Letter, he is having fun. That's how he's You know, yeah. exactly. Like, and it's infectious, almost, because mm-hmm. he's not really a funny guy. Listen, I've seen him in coffee and cigarettes, okay? He's so, <laughs> an intense person. Exactly. He's very intense. <laughs> right. But, like, he's, he could be... And the times when he gets to that point, it's just like, damn, it's very welcoming, you know, yeah. as a listener. He, yeah, he does have some some carefree, childish moments that I feel, oddly enough, come across as really genuine. E- even alongside his like super intense aggro stuff that he can get to, he there's also when he does stuff like we're gonna be friends and stuff like mm-hmm. that. There's a there's an odd believability to him. Well, that... I think it's because I mean he's really. I, and the first couple albums don't show this as much, but he's kind of a vocal chameleon. Like when oh, he, he sings when in he characters goes, all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the vocal take that you're getting on Hello Apple Raider and the vocal take that you're getting on Apple Blossom could very well be different people. Mm-hmm. Like he really molds his delivery to, to fit the, the song, right? to fit the song yeah. which not all artists are able to no. do. So I think that's yeah. why it reads as so genuine is because he really mm-hmm. he doesn't just genre hop he really like goes deep into and and displays the full version of what yeah you know what i mean to that oh oh, i'm glad you mentioned that because we've talked so much about their the music behind but the words that are on top of it and i feel like that's one of his his strongest shining points on this whole record um, when you were talking about just genuine tracks that are about things that are, are more than just, you know, a rock song or face value or just, you know, let's rock, love, love, sex, and rock and roll. Um, you know, you get songs <laughs> he like... He is the Eagles, as we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I felt like songs like A Boy's Best Friend, um, even... Really? I don't hate it, but it's it, it's forgettable. It, sometimes, it feels, well, sometimes it feels like his metaphors are a little bit too obvious. Sure. And that's one where it really is like... I mean, it is clever enough. It's above average for most fans, mm-hmm. but it still feels like, dude, huh. come on. You yeah. know, like, that's... there's the, By the time he gets that last end, it just like, you know, it talks about, a, you know, Boy's Best Friend is his mother or whatever he has as or his whatever. pet. Yeah. And just like as an ending, I'm like, okay, Jack. That, okay, right. you yeah. know? You know, like that's the kind of thing where it's just like you don't need to be that kitschy. You can be right, kind of right. kitschy. You can be kind of quirky, but you don't have to like spell it out for us. Like you know, yeah. you treat your audience with respect. Don't treat them like you know. You have to. They're fucking idiots. You know. Yeah. That's my that's my feelings <laughs> about that song. But continue, please. <laughs> no, but um, I I just wanted to segue into lyrics too, sort of, because he's he's a lyrical poet. Yeah. God, I just. Do you think he's one of those guys? Because uh, this is something I kind of vacillate back and forth between. Like sometimes he showcases beautiful metaphors to your point sometimes he is this incredible storyteller like raconteurs carolina drama i wish that song was like I know. five more verses you're oh, like yeah. he can weave a story both. and then sometimes he does almost like this uh early rem kind of thing of where you're like i'm gonna put words together that play off the beat great and that sound great and all that but they literally could be like anything like they they're they're words that sound great and emote a certain thing but they're not like saying anything as far as like kind of like a talking blues bob dylan type yeah 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 Um, yeah yeah. no i agree yeah so so sometimes when he sings um to to talk about that but also talk about your point about uh like the tone of his voice and things like that i think that's why his covers on his first few albums were really important because I think some of that singing and character is genuine to go along with the song. Mm-hmm. And some of that singing and character is for this musical genius that he is. I think that the part of his toolkit that took the longest to develop was his ability to write a vocal melody. And so when you hear him like on his first album, cover Bob Dylan, singing somebody else's melody, you're like, oh, dude, he has such an expressive voice Absolutely. that I mean, he's trying to kind of get to. That's you know? my standout from that record. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It re- it's so good, dude. All Listen right. to what? it. Yeah. You know, all the <laughs> oh. All right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so that being said, I need to keep this guy on track. So that I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a fascinating nomination. I think I could no 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 because I could see myself agreeing with it very much. So 
I'm just curious for the they still stand that we have here in studio, Justin. What would you have nominated at number four? Oh, and that's the thing. It's uh, it, after after the initial two. We're really splitting hairs at this point. And, that, and um, that's what we're about, and, baby. Yep, yeah. so let's split some hairs. I would have to say I'd give it to Icky Thump. Yes! What? Yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, and if, listen. If, if you break down the math, I've got, track I've got track. Icky Thump as my very next one. So yeah, I, because it's... I get you there. Everybody knows that title track, and everybody knows... Well, no, I don't think everybody knows 300 Miles. But they should. They yeah. should because that song's oh, the best. Oh, really? That's yeah. the, I, love I love this podcast so much. Oh. That song, I feel like the, the first half of Icky Thump is one of the strongest sides of their catalog if you took out that song. No, oh, Conquest. Took out Conquest is like the best. A genre mistake. A it, jo- it doesn't do belong here whatsoever. Oh. It, he's not pulling it off. <gasps> it, really, not, really, it's really. It's, 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 we're going off the rails. Guys, can awesome. we have some order? <laughs> can we have some <laughs> no. order to this discussion? I feel like we should be holding hands during this. <laughs> like, this is, this is great. Let's, let's, we're all going to go around the room and say what we need to say about Icky Thump. That's <laughs> okay. what we're going to do right, right. now. So After we'll, we say something nice about each person. So you will hear a nice shirt. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Your jacket when you walked in yeah. was impeccable. Will Hodge, go, 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 go. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about Icky Thump. So Icky so. Basically, after the response they received from Get Behind Me, Satan, mm-hmm. is very much to a degree a back in the basics album. It's blues, it's rock, it's a little bit of pop thrown in there as well. But genuinely, it's also not. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, like, it's just there's a different lilt and a different aesthetic that they have to it all together. Mm-hmm. It's just definitely, he's coming from a different place when he's attacking things. It's a place of experience, it's a place, I would argue, of confidence. It almost feels like an homage at points to their initial breakthrough in the UK because mm-hmm. they were more like first they broke through in the UK mm-hmm. and then For they sure. kind of transferred back over to the US and there's a lot of like sea shanty moments here <laughs> and like icky thump definitely like evokes I, yeah. I don't know it's it, weird yeah, yeah it's really weird and it's 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 obviously it's still like very much rock but it's not it, it doesn't feel American. Do you know what I mean? Except it's also his greatest, at least lyrically, he gets uh, like agitated, protesty. Jack White mm-hmm. is one of my favorite vocals. And especially when the lyrics match. Like the only other time you really get it is like Big Three from the debut when mm-hmm. he's just almost like spitting the lyrics because he's like actually pissed off about something worth like being pissed off about and not like just a bad relationship or whatever. Um, and you hear him. Uh, I think what happens with Icky Thump is what should have happened with Get Behind Me, Satan, which is I've, I've kind of, you know, not to talk about Elephant too much yet, but like it's like we've kind of achieved like some of the greatest that we can do with what we have. Let's add some new tools. Let's do some new things. And where Get Behind Me, Satan was like, in my humble opinion, a face plant. Um, they come back with that and they're like, oh, we can do... We can play around with the guitar sounds more. Something like Conquest, one of the reasons that I do like that so much, I think it is such a complete left field uh, addition that, in my opinion, works really well. I, I actually enjoy the song, but also when you hear Jack talk about it, it was a song that he sang a lot, the, the Patty Page version. He sang a lot when he was working in his upholstery shop, like years and years and years before. And so by the time he gets around to covering it, it's almost like you believe that more than like my nurse or something or you know the nurse when you're like okay you know let me let me pull out the marimba because the marimba sounds weird yeah Yeah. it's like let me get mariachi horns and Mm -hmm. and unbelievable guitar solos yeah um yeah i just conquest just didn't do it for me but that's really all i've got (laughs) (laughs) okay but you know what else you know what else is a left field choice um St. Andrew. Okay, Thorn is great. Prickly Thorn and Sweetly Warren is fucking amazing. Yeah. Prickly, yeah. Awesome. Prickly Thorn part two. Right, right. They should have made Prickly Thorn shorter and do your little up-tempo drum ending that 
turns into whatever. Or maybe just don't have the battle isn't in over it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, just like, oh, like absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Just if like, they just cut the vocal track, right. St. Andrew, I don't yeah. care. Okay with yeah. Next song, please. Yeah. Together, that's a great Scottish jig in three minutes that's spread out over two tracks. Yeah, and it's like it, unnecessarily, absolutely. Right. There's no question about and that. And I also and, like, I dig Rag and Bone. Oh my god, I, I love, love Rag and Bone. I think, I think it's hilarious, and I think that he's hilarious, but I also like stuff need to listen to it a lot. Are you kidding? Oh my god. Uh, have have you ever listened Out to house, it? Outhouse, doghouse, while, yeah. while driving? Yeah. Well, I don't. Listen to car. There's someone okay. here. <laughs> Borrow someone's car or just take one. They're a lot out on the street, I saw. Um, and if you do that while driving, I think also that's another place where that song in the hands of a lot of bands, you would be like, shut up. Like, give me a break. This is oh, so totally gross. Only so could pull it but, off. Right, yeah. Right. And it's one of Meg's most charming moments too i know yes. she's like super <laughs> i yeah I you know grading to a lot of people but i'm one of those people that's like she is the exact same thing as ringo it's like not a good drummer but the perfect drummer for the band that she's in kind yeah. of oh my you know? god that's, like, a, that's a whole like, quote right there yeah like ready it's for the just ads. <laughs> like so, but, for Charty, i mean know, right? if you look okay so icky thump unbelievable you don't know what love is that's another thing where he's like I'm poppy, I'm melodic, I'm not going to be scared about it because I've got so much stuff. I do dig that one. I skip uh, 300 mile per hour all the time. How the fuck do you do that as a human? Like literally every time. Jesus Christ, man. Conquest, yeah. Personally. But But Conquest is baller. I think that back half, Little Cream Soda, is a really great song. Really heavy. Catch Hell Blues is one of his best blues songs, uh, like after Ball and Biscuit, of course. And then... Uh, Effect and Cause is one of going back to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. That is one I think uh, of his most impressive, creative, tongue twisty. You are it. so inside this metaphor. Yeah. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. I feel like this record is just such it, it's it's brilliant because it's an affectionate look back at their entire past, really. It yeah. encompasses their entire yeah. disc- discography. And this is the White Stripes as rock stars, as mm-hmm. superstars. Yeah. And they, I'm not they fucking get behind me, Satan. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. And there's no marimba on it. So yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great record, and, like, it almost hurts to want to put it in this place, but, yeah. like, again... I don't little cream soda though strong intro I don't know about the rest of that oh well oh well oh well yeah it's uh it's one of those that um if you've uh there you know we talked a lot about before we started we were talking about bands that um are better live or at least deliver in a different Mm. way live and all of the songs that the white stripes have that have these like non lyrical like uh vocal melodic chant along type things mm-hmm. in the room when it's happening and when it's playing you are like so in it with them that even if you're listening to the cd you're like all right this kind of maybe a little tongue-in-cheek but like when you're in the moment you're like oh yeah i'm i'm just as swanky i'm just like i'm i got this with you right. i i lo- i don't dislike the song i just feel like they've done it better on other tracks but mm. yeah i agree i do agree yeah. with you fair point taryn your icky thumb thoughts i think i've shared them oh okay cool <laughs> I, me- I mean i just I, there are like four songs on here that I think are phenomenal, and then the rest I could take or leave. Right. So, uh, one more thing I do have to throw in A Martyr for My Love for You. I've always had a strong love for that song. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm indifferent no. to it, surprisingly. I, yeah, I'm kind of... In, but here's I, the thing. I'm indifferent to that song despite the fact that I fucking love this album. And I don't yeah, give yeah. a shit what all y'all think. Because <laughs> the biggest thing about it... I talked about how Jack White... You know, the, my favorite Jack White is Jack White having fun. And this album especially, there is such a buoyancy. There is such a joy mm-hmm. to it. Because even when he's on Icky Thumb... Keep in mind, Icky Thumb is a guitar, drums, and him fucking around on a keyboard or right. a little thing like that. You know, whatever. But somehow it works. It's chaos. It's, you know, it has those lines in there. You gotta kick yourself out. You're an immigrant too. Like, yep. it's just, there's such a visceralness to it there. A Delvin album opener that then goes to the pop and then goes to 300 Mile Per Hour's Torrential Outpour Blues. A Dylan reference that's also one of the best productions he's ever done within the White Stripes. Like, this is the time where he, this they took three weeks to record this album, the most they've ever taken to record any album, and it shows. Not just the fact that they have horns and bagpipes and things like that too but because the 
the album is mixed in such a beautiful and gorgeous way. You can have rock, and the thing is, they still have rockers like Bone Broke and Little Cream Soda on there. And you can say what you will about them, they might be even appeasing, but this feels like confident Jack White. Mm -hmm. This feels like, well, get behind me, Satan, is let's try a bunch of shit and see what works. Sometimes it does, my doorbell. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> a lot of other songs. But, you know, <laughs> You're Adam I mean, Antistetic with your Bolero. Exactly. Thank you for and, so, <laughs> and so Iggy Thump feels like it's not as widespread as Get Behind Me, Satan, but it feels focused. It mm -hmm. feels like a lot more these are deliberate and specific choices so like well i'm not as big a fan as say like i'm slowing into you or martyr for your love the fact that like that little laugh that he gets near the end of affecting cause like he laughs during the take because while he's playing it because like there's just a buoyancy to it that this whole album has that is unlike anywhere else because elephant jack white and white blood cells jack white that's self-serious self-referential jack white too and we've had that jack white for a while to hear him in this pose I think is fascinating. So, like, well, some days, I'm not going to lie, some days it's my number one. I'm not necessarily <laughs> going to fight the hardest for it. Yeah. But I will say, in terms of ranking our albums one through six, if for the nomination for Distillion or number four spot, I absolutely am four. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. Taryn, what would you put at number four? I'd put a key thump. At four, uh, did I have... Oh, wait, yeah, I'm getting half. Yeah. Oh, look, you're yeah. I had, I had, I had Icky Thump at, yeah, three from the top. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm having to work backwards. Yeah, yeah I'd, put a, I'd put Icky Thump at four. Okay. I, I, will t I like what the point you're making about the fun Jack White because I think what's great is I think it's always cool when a band's last album, they don't know it's their last album going into it. Right. And so him not knowing, like, that Meg's going to, you know, cut the tour short, cut the band Because if you listen anxiety. to interviews from Jack White, Meg White was controlling the band and was just totally... I love how yeah. that narrative has changed so much uh, for over sure. time, too. Yeah. It's like, while there was still a possibility of them making a record, he's like, yeah, we're working on it, yeah, we're yeah, seeing yeah. how it goes. And then the moment she's like, no, I'm never, I'm not doing this ever entering again. public yeah. life again, yeah. he's like... She was so controlling. I tell you, she, she just wasn't excited. Joy. She wasn't yeah. excited about the project. Yeah. Like I think, I think a little bit of that is him saving face for somebody not kowtowing to him. Because I really, I if they, I have completely, you know, unfounded. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a reason to think they'll get back together, but I think that there's one thing that he will never give up, and that is the desire for them to get back together, no matter how negative he wants to talk about her mm -hmm. all you have to do is watch when they got back together for the last Conan O'Brien episode um, mm -hmm. after they'd already broken up you watch his face and the last like minute of that performance where him and Meg are singing um, we're going to be friends is like so heartbreaking because he's gotten his he's gotten his chance to like play with her again but it's just for this thing of you know Conan got back Conan, together yeah. yeah and it is so like painful because I think that no matter what he does, he still wants that to happen. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think there's a little bit of anger and and the whole like I'm Jack White, you should want to play with me kind she of. She made thing. a conquest. I think <laughs> no, like really, really. Yeah. That's think... the one. That's his one vice. Mm -hmm. I feel, and he can't hide it. Yeah. I feel like on the flip side of that though, because Jack White talks about how he likes making music to be a struggle. You know, he uses mm -hmm. shitty guitars, he uses shitty equipment. And then he still manages to make an incredible product with mm -hmm. that. And hearing him say that in interviews all the time, imagine that you're Meg White and you know that you're not a good drummer. You're being played as an instrument. So like, you're not a drummer in a band, you're an instrument. So, like, I don't know that this was necessarily his intention, but imagine mm -hmm. being Meg White. You're in the public eye, you already have anxiety, and everyone keeps talking about how you're... Either they use the word primal, which is not a compliment, or they just talk about that you're not a good drummer. Yeah. And then you realize that maybe part of the reason Jack is keeping you around is because he likes challenges. Hmm. And that's interesting that's because not what, necessarily that something that you yeah. want to keep doing as Their marriage a, very was a challenge. shy so, person. I, I definitely see that that point. I hundred percent can see where you're coming from. But there's a couple things when you watch them play that I think that if she if they had like now we're getting into like couples therapy, but like <laughs> if they had a conversation where, because, okay, the fact that even up till the end they perform, he would have a mic right there on the drum set so that he could come and sing feet away from her at any time that he wanted. And even, uh, yeah, that's on his up. keyboard, he, uh, 
his keyboard where his back would be facing her. He had a mirror so that he could watch her while they were playing. I think that he understands how that the greatness of the White Stripes only happens with those two. Mm-hmm. And the more that he plays with other people and the more that he plays with full bands, he understands like if I'm in 100% control of the melodic elements of the band and then I have Meg who I think they have a, con- a musical connection that's super, super like deep and intimate. Like all she has to do is like rhythmic things. She doesn't have to worry about following him melodically in any sort of way. You just watch their body language when they play. And I think that he has never, as many people as he's played with, he has never come close to to having that. And he tries. You see him interact with his drummers, but I think I don't know. The I'll hold Watson, out right. yeah, the Watson to the Holmes, almost. right? Right? Yeah. 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 You know, so I think I think to really buttress your point there, I get it. Icky thumps at number four, <laughs> but nice. I would say De Steele has to be a number three. Yes. It has oh, to be a number I agree. Agree. Okay, I good. Let's just fucking. I mean, you're all wrong, and you're all idiots, <laughs> and I hate you. But aside from that, yes, let's go ahead. So number six, the self-titled album. (laughs) Number five, Get Behind Me, Satan. Number four, Icky Thump. Number three, They Still. And that means that maybe people are expecting it to come down to the fucking knockdown drag out of white blood cells and elephant. But it's white blood cells and it's elephant. So let's let's see. Come on, I feel like we should have a secret vote. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that being said... I mean, I think we should just start with. Let's just talk about. Let's just talk about the albums. Just really sequential. So, White Blood Cells, their fucking breakthrough. Mm. A, it sounds like they produced an album. They have Mm. a producer on, and I know it's Jack White. It's not Jim Diamond. The difference in sound quality. Jesus Christ! Mm. It's night and day. Exactly. Even when you open with "Deadly to the Dirty Ground," which is a fucking sludgy, fucking Mm. raw rocker, Mm -hmm. it's so much clearer than anything of the last two albums. Right. So, thank you. I mean, I know it was still a sympathy for the records, you know, release, but still. Thank you for that B2 budget. Uh, but the thing is that, like, he would never... I mean, even though, in you know, like, Hello Operator and uh, Apple Blossom were, like, fun pop moments, Hotel Yorba? Who would have ever thought he would have the ability to do this fucking countdown, you know, kind of song like there? Like, it's fun. It's like, great. You know? Full on twangy. Yeah, exactly. It's like rockabilly skiffle. It's a... Uh, I said something today. Oh, my God, about, it is skiffle. Yeah, it's fucking skiffle, man. About it being, like, that would be my, you know, Tell the Doctors Now, that's one of my, like, Wake Me Up from a Coma songs. Like, <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, it really is. So much. And, like... Uh, it even takes on different elements whenever they do it acoustically versus electric. And I was all just that. gonna say yeah. that. Yes. Oh my god, it's yeah. great. It's so so great. Yeah. Now one controversial thing I will say though, because I don't want to show my preference or anything for either of these albums there, because I don't think either of these albums are truly flawless, truly. But I will say I wouldn't say back half. I would say the White Blood Cells has a weird last third, because like when you get to like mm-hmm. you know now Mary and I can't wait and I can learn like those kind of things like that's mm-hmm. kind of it kind of gets a little bit indistinguishable because mm-hmm. like you ha- I mean like when yeah. you talk right because when aluminum. you talk Exactly. Yeah. Fucking aluminum. Uh, I, it's a distinct song because I remember it and I hate that I remember exactly. it. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. legitimately. Like you get the process vocals, whatever. I think I also kind of hate. I think I smell a rat. Think oh, I smell? No, I like, I like it. But you yeah. don't like Conquest, right? Yeah. That's, okay. Okay. That's, so yeah, his his spaghetti <laughs> his spaghetti western yeah. like yes. uh, Spanish. <laughs> I love that. And have you heard the the Rome? That he did with Danger uh, Mouse, Nor Jones. Oh, he'd hate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Rome soundtrack, like this, this ability to to work in like uh, Spanish flamenco. Like I don't know. I uh, I think I smell a rat is probably the only song that I truly, truly enjoy on that back half. If we're saying. We're gonna be friends. I like this protector, though. I will say, um, but now I'm Mary, so I do love the vocal tone that he has on now Mary because I think it's one now of Mary. his most like tender. He he when he it's gets vulnerable, real. yeah. When he gets yeah. vulnerable in his first couple albums, it's like the childish vulnerable. Yeah. That feels like the first mature vulnerable Jack. Well, yeah, I mean that being said, uh, we're going to be friends. Another McCartney moment. Yeah. That yeah. and I mean this truly throughout. Well, he has state. He is storyteller. He's a presenter. He's not vulnerable. He's not, I would even argue to a degree, like he's not like emotional on record. Like he has mm-hmm. anger sometimes. He has joy sometimes, but like vulnerable is not one of his things. So we're going to be friends. It's like the closest we get to like heartbreaking, like sweet, yeah. like kind, like Jack mm-hmm. White. Like right. that's, we never, I, I would argue we never see that again. The and fact that Jack Johnson can cover it and yeah, still right? <laughs> yeah. like nail it, you're just like, all right, yeah, like there, there are some uh, Solid tender roots. Yeah, exactly. it's really good. 
Uh, I also, and, you know, as weird as it is, because it's basically a rewrite of the entire script of fucking uh, <laughs> Citizen Kane, this union yeah. forever. It's yeah. so fucking weird, and yet I'm about it. Taryn hates it to I'm death. I'm not about it. I, yeah. I don't, Have you I heard them say I hate it, it live? To death. But there is a man. Yeah. There is a man. Yeah. Yeah. When, when it's live, there's a lot more energy to it. Again, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, I think you've said that a couple times, Will. Just when you're in the room and you get an entire stadium going, there is a man. Yeah. A, a certain, certain man. Okay. You know, like there's. But granted, that's not on the record. Yeah. <laughs> Even with it. Yeah. But you know what is on the record? I'm finding it harder to be a gentleman every day. Yes, Which lyrically is such a fascinating little, little yeah. image. It's yeah. a nice little I anecdote. I really dig that song. It <laughs> yeah. really, it, it like snuck up on me this week and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, hi. Yeah. Right. Um, it's funky, dirty Jack White. Similarly, yeah. the same boy you've always known. I was like, okay. Impressing mm-hmm. your mama song. Yeah. 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 I'm into it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, across the discography, and this is just showing my preferences, but I usually really like when he goes gentler. Uh-huh. Like, hmm. as much as I enjoy, you know, f- fell in love with the girl is still probably my number one. Yeah. yeah. But, like, when he goes that soft route, he really mm-hmm. knows how to sell it. <laughs> yeah, he, that, that, yeah, that's one of the things when I talk about the White Stripes with people, the, his ability to be so genuine, both those spectrums, kind of like what we were saying, is so hard to find because you usually, you know, only see people kind of uh, trafficking in one or the other, but mm-hmm. somehow he makes it believable. Like the same guy that is like ripping these thunderous guitar riffs and like howling and spitting vocals sometimes. Also, you sit him down with like a cheap, crappy learner acoustic, you know, yeah. three quarter child's guitar, and you're just like, and he has the whole cover with it. a piece of yep. paper. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and, he, and it's not just that, like, it's like, yeah, he makes it work, he makes it work, but he also like, makes you believe it in a way that you're just like, cool, it doesn't feel manufactured or mm-hmm. artifice. Absolutely. But, but that being said, I mean, he feels like there's an unstoppableness to it. It's almost like a seven-nation army couldn't hold him back, you know? Like, really. Elephant uh, is an entirely different beast, and I feel like it's one of those things, it's almost like Prince when he, you know, did Purple Rain or, like, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing, where it's just like, it's an artist who kind of finds their voice at the time when the world is looking at them the most. Yes. Like, it's kind of this weird thing of, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. You can't. You genuinely can't. But also, like, Seven Nation Army, he said in interviews, like, it was almost his, tr- his attempt to be a Bond theme. Ironically, he later yeah. did a Bond theme. <laughs> it fucking sucked. But uh, that being said, no like... to you, Alicia. Yeah, but, like, that... Fu- I mean, that's... Uh, the fact it's not a bass guitar, it's just his guitar tuned like a bass, almost. And it's is slays like that song I remember hearing it I'm like oh fucking hell like yeah. everything we thought about this breakthrough band that had this garage pop single of fell in love with a girl is like oh they've amped it up a bit like it was a whole thing and the thing is that like as good as Seven Nation Army is and I don't think anyone in the studio or within the sound of my listening voice is going to argue that it's a fucking great song it's the rest of the album that still strikes you. Because, like, this is almost like every mood that you've seen so far, but just presented in a much more accessible way. Because, like, listen, fucking uh, Black Math and Hypnotize, oh, there's your fucking, like, rockers right there. When, but unlike yeah. on the debut Hypnotize. album, yeah. Can we talk about Black like, Math for, like, 20 minutes? <laughs> right. oh, Black Math cast? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so, like, when he hits that... Uh, 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 breakdown. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, having having uh, seen him not with the White Stripes, but uh, on his solo tour when I lived in Nashville, saw him play the Ryman, and he uh, played that song with the female band. I was gonna say this for most of the yeah uh, mini sode, but like he played with the female band that he was touring with at the time. Yeah, the male and female band. Yeah. They they played that song and I literally thought like the drums were going to just like fly through the windows of the rhyme and and, and especially in Nashville where at least half of the audience usually no matter how much they like it they listen with hands folded kind of uh-huh. thing if they're just like mm, impressed so me your beard, very as good, soon yes. as they got to that I, I, I mean literally the entire I mean I think even people that were like serving concessions and like the aisle people that help you to your seat were all just like we are in this this is the greatest musical moment of all time i think that's one of his most impressive riffs yeah i am so just because of an id tag issue (laughs) on my phone um seven nation army was last on this album so every time Uh, i listened to it it opened with black math i knew that wasn't correct (laughs) but but every time i was just like oh yeah i'm so excited to listen to elephant (laughs) like no i almost like to skip seven nation army because you just know it yeah you just do it you do you just dive into the rest of it and yeah Mm -hmm. the fact that 
you could still have such a high note and it just only builds from there is a testament to how incredible this album and is. And honestly, for me, this... While I do really like Seven Nation Army and Black Na- Math, the my favorite part is the second half of mm-hmm. this record. For Once sure, you're yeah. getting into... Ball and a biscuit onward. Well, oh. no. Yeah. I mean, I, I would start with I want to be a boy to warm mm-hmm. your mother's Thank heart. You. Yeah. And it just keeps going from there. That like when he hits that slide and I want to be the boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. That's, I, that's well, magic. I mean, as a huge Iron and Wine fan, I have a, <laughs> I have a proclivity for slide guitar. Yeah. And, I mean, just across the discography, when he pulls out the slide, I'm like, yes! Oh, like, you steal! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. That's why there I agree. shoulder shakes yes. with that. That is a big <laughs> part of why I was agreeing It's weird, you. though, how in this album, like, there's a lot of strong moments. No one's going to deny that. It's weird how he kind of repeats himself a couple times yeah. melodically, though, because there's no home for you here. I would it, you could argue whether or not it's a better or worse rewrite of Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, but it is like it's almost the exact same melody. And kind of like you've got her in your pocket is kind of like not necessarily the same vibe as we're going to be friends, but it's still very much in the same vein. It's, it's in the same vein. Exactly. So Absolutely. like it's, it, so that's one of the things about this album where I'm a little disappointed on some ends because there's a lot of a little bit of you know kind of backtracking or like playing okay. to your strengths or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that being said, when those fucking solos come out and ball in the biscuit, oh, and I know man. I keep coming back to it, but. Like, that was the thing where it's like, listen, we're a blues rock band, we're known for garage rock, okay? Right. By the way, guess what we can do? Here's his, here's after his no solos rule on white blood cells. Right. By the way, here's what I can well, do. Well, and it's also fascinating because I, I don't even think there are any other songs in their discography that are over five minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's a yeah. very concise songwriter. songwriter. Yeah. And so when, when he pulls out this, like, seven and a half minute right. blues jam and is just fucking nailing it. And when it doesn't... Yeah. Like, no, 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 not yet. Yeah, <laughs> Give me two or three yeah. more minutes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was kind of surprised Taryn enjoyed Little Acorns as much. As <laughs> I love Little Acorns. <laughs> I, it's I the know, broadcast voice, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Those, no, wait, Acorns or Acorns? Acorns. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to survive the harsh... That's a cool wizard. joke for those of you who actually heard the song. Just like those Acorns. <laughs> um, no, but even, even like... Funny slash interesting intro aside, mm-hmm. it's just a bomb song. It is. You know? I mean, yeah, that's some like he's I mean, we can talk about how incredible of a guitarist he is all yeah. night, but just like the sounds the different sounds he's able to bring out of that without even like he's definitely not switching filters, but yeah. just the way that he's using mm-hmm. his fingers brings so many different tones he's, out. Yeah. He's like a, a garage rock, blues rock Tom Morello. You know? <laughs> like, he yeah, really he is. the same pedal, so. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, even, even like this all music review I did today talked about that there was that great Pixie song, You Mass, which has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Black, you know, Frank Black singing the chorus of, it's education though! And there's a, and they reference a couple things on here where like, on uh, Little Acorns, like, be like the squirrel! And then there's, or, you know, oh girl! Yeah, oh, you yeah. have no faith in medicine! I see the medicine! You see the medicine! And then also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, wait, what was the other one that I Fire got? Fire in the yeah. disco! No. Oh my god. Oh, we'll play. We'll play. We'll play it for him later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. But yeah. Also, like on the hardest button to button, there's that part. Yeah, we yeah. are a family, right. and it's all right now. Like, there's just so many different styles and tones, but it's still within that rock aesthetic. I also love how the hardest button to button is so simple. It yeah. is. So and that video. That video yeah. is unbelievable. I mean, the video highlights how this simplicity yeah. and yeah. meticulousness is so perfect That's for right. what they're trying to get with yeah. the song. Yeah. And everybody may have, have known this, but I think I didn't find this out till like five years after I saw the video. But when you watch it, you kind of think like, okay, they set up a drum, did the shot, set up almost like stop motion. Mm-hmm. But they actually did it in reverse. They had all the drums set up. And then would remove them to take the shots. I was like, "That is fascinating." Oh, because that's to me. probably faster for the band. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. Michelle Gondry's fucking amazing as well. Yeah. Was I think that their um, their videos, especially uh, working with him again after fell in love with a girl, is like so just also deadly on the dirty ground. That's, a that's right. Yeah. The yeah. three of yo yeah with the projection and everything. Yeah. I think that I think that what I love. Um, we're not talking about which one we want to put. In number no, one. no, no, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so backtrack. Uh, but I think that one of the cool things about Elephant is the fact that when you look at a lot of their earlier albums, you see like 
oh yeah, he likes the blues, he likes garage rock, he likes punk and all this, and, and you feel like he's, uh, sometimes you're listening in on experiments of like them getting the sound of what they think it should be, and, and they're painting with colors that you know what the colors are, but there's not like these defined lines, and Elephant feels like we have, we have mastered the tools in our toolkit. Absolutely. Let's put them all together. Right. That's, the, all thing, yeah. that's the thing. When you were saying earlier that like there are a couple songs on Elephant that just sound like reworks of White Blood Cells. You'd say they're better? I would I, say they're better. And mm, I would I say agree. that consistently and across these first four albums, they cop a lot of the same poses and it just gets better with each and every record. Mm. They're taking what they've already done, which is exactly what you were saying when we, mm. we, we were talking about the early stuff, is that they're sort of laying the foundation and then they build a fucking bomb house on top of that. <laughs> right. you know? Bomb like, house. It's like watching Bob Ross paint where you're like, he does all these like crazy things and you're like, how is that going to turn into a cloud or that a tree or that? And then he just does like one Slant. tree trunk and yeah. you're just like, I've got, that's, oh is. my God, right. it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's that's like, Elephant. Yeah. That's what Elephant is. Dolly's is like the, the last like five minutes of a Bob Ross yeah. painting where you're like, this is <laughs> there's, I, a, there's your quote. I really <laughs> couldn't put it there. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant right, right there. Justin, do you have um, any other thoughts you want to add about Elephant? I mean, I mean, after that, it's hard to follow. I know, right? How do I follow that? Yeah. Um... Just to play devil's advocate, like the only kind of bum notes on this record. That's are, fine. I mean, Please do. Well, it's true that we love one another. Okay, it's a fun little tune. <laughs> okay, it's a. They in, have a tradition of ending their albums on in lighter weird, notes. weird ass notes, and I love that. Not yeah. weird ass notes, like acoustic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's acoustic and um, playful, but yeah. Another thing is lyrically, I feel like there's a mythos to the White Stripes. Yes, mm-hmm. and this record built it the strongest. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, just with all the little character bits. Because you, you said Jack White sings in characters and all these little crazy personalities yeah. that he's got in his head. Mm-hmm. I felt like this one told the most coherent story. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where Jack shines the most, I feel. So, yeah. All right, Elvin. Well, we've been talking about the Wedge for 65 minutes. <laughs> Has it only been 65 minutes? Only? Only. <laughs> so, here's what I want to do. I just want to go around the room and I want to get everyone's votes for the number two spot. Oh, Starting no, with two. Okay. Will Hodge, what would you of these two albums put at number two? White Blood Cells. Justin. White Blood Cells. White Blood Cells. All right, so yeah. in that case, guys, listen. We've been talking about it for a while. Number six, The White Stripes. Number five, Get Behind Me, Satan. Number four, Icky Thump. Number three, Day Something. Number two, The White Blood Cells. And the number one White Stripes album is talking is walking with a ghost that's what it is we all know it was coming up it's so good it's the conquest ep no uh guys so it's elephant and it's great so guys listen uh that is a hell of a ranking and as you can tell we have a lot of other things we haven't talked about yet that's why we have a happy hour minisode so we're gonna get to that happy hour minisode in just a minute in the meantime though you two guys yeah thank you so much for being here you two guys showing up yeah exactly this has been a great time uh we have a lot more to say if you could do us a favor support our new and our returning guests by giving them a ranking on itunes because every time you do that it increases visibility for the show and it's a great thing also follow us on soundcloud and facebook and twitter and stitcher and all these other fucking sites i don't know about uh in the meantime though our happy episodes right after this please listen to it in the meantime you guys have a good one keep on listening you know that will be good Once more, dear friends, unto the breach. Once more, on.